Welcome to The Social Angle, a podcast that helps promo pros gain an edge in the social media realm. I'm Vinny, and on this episode, I am joined by Jeff Davis, founder of Supplier Record Remix, to discuss his rockin' business, which makes housewares and gifts out of reclaimed vintage vinyl records, the struggles he endures promoting his company on social media, and much more. Jeff, welcome to the show. This is part two. <laughs> hey, Vinny. Thanks. Yeah, we're, ta- we're this is take two. We, we tried this last month. We had some tech issues. But I'm happy to to finally get you on to talk about this topic. Now, before we get into it, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, who you are and how you got how you find yourself in this industry? Absolutely. So, uh, my name is Jeff Davis, and my company, Record Remix, uh, is a kind of a subsidiary of my parent company, Vinylux. Um, and we are a company that, as as Vinny mentioned, we repurpose vintage vinyl records into new products. Um, so I come to this industry via uh, being a wholesaler to the retail industry. Um, we sell our products to gift, sh- gift shops and museum stores, um, several online retailers, using original records where we transform the shape of the record into new products. This is the very first item I ever made from a record. This is a bowl that I made, and you can see who is this. Uh, rock and roll is here to stay, so it's a United Artists compilation. And we transform the records into a whole line of products that then can be custom branded for the promotional products industry. Awesome. And how long have you been in the industry? I've been in promo for about seven years now. Okay. Uh, Vinylux just turned 20. So as a manufacturer and a supplier, we're 20 years old, uh, deep in the promo industry for about seven years. Okay. Awesome. And And I know this product, I've been to ASI shows and I've seen, you know, other suppliers with, with this type of product. It, it's it's a very cool product. I have one up here. If you can see, I, I forget who the supplier is. Uh, it's it's a clock. It's you know made out of a uh, reclaimed vintage uh, vinyl record. So I've seen coasters. I've seen all kinds of things that you could do mm-hmm. with with this um, with this type of product. Um, now I want to talk before we get into you know talking more about social media, which I think is is. Uh, the impetus for this conversation. Um, I want to ask you about uh, something that happened to your business last year. You were uh, you were featured uh, in a special small business segment on mm-hmm. World News Tonight with David Moyer. Can you tell us a little bit more about how this happened and what the experience was like for you? Uh, sure. Yeah, that was a, a segment on ABC World News Tonight called Made in America. And I think they've been running it for about 10 years now with the their kind of working thesis was, could we use the uh, wide reaching uh, power of our broadcast to support small businesses in America? And generally businesses that make things, so candle makers and soap makers and, um, and so forth. And they reached out to me, I think it was about December 12th. So we were knee deep, no, eyeball deep huh. in our holiday sales. Sure. Um, and actually thinking we were kind of wrapping it up because Christmas was around the corner. Uh, our business really spikes in the fourth quarter because that's when retailers are doing such, uh, sure. so much volume. Um, and they said, would you like to be featured? Uh, we think you have a great story, a great company, and we could put you on the news. And I said, yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. What do I need to do. And they said, well, just, you know, shoot some B-roll around your workshop. Um, show us some people working. Uh, give us a couple of lines about what your business does. 
make sure you start it with hi david that became a big joke because we had to do like 20 takes of hi david um <laughs> we just we just shot the thing on my phone on a tripod that i didn't have producers come to the studio um and in like two days they called me and said okay you know your your segment's ready to go uh it's going to be on the news tonight i had no idea it was oh wow be. um and they said we just need to verify the pronunciation of some names and if you could just film like you know a couple more shots of people assembling things and some faces it's always nice to see faces so we ran around shot some more um and it, it happened so quickly that it hadn't dawned on me that this could um really um generate a ton of sales sure sure um, a friend of mine was like, oh, I hope your website can handle the bandwidth. And I was like, oh, right. Huh. Okay. Um, so I called the producer and I said, hey, would you mind mentioning a different retailer than Vinylots? Because we have a website, we sell direct to the public, uh, but it is like minuscule. It's like it's like 2% of our annual annual business mm. goes through our own website, um, at least on the on the retail end of things. Sure. You know, we we're a wholesaler and we rely on retailers uh, to sell and distribute our product. And I was like, yeah, you got to list somebody who can actually handle the volume. Um, so it was a, a store that we've sold to for 20 years called Uncommon Goods. I know the owner quite well. I called him up and I said, hey, we're going to we're going to mention you as the retailer for the product tonight on the news. Uh, and he said, great. And then, yeah, thanks. About. A half an hour after the segment ran, he started texting me and said, um, so we're definitely seeing an uptick. Wow. Um, if, if we need more product, uh, would you be able to ship us some tomorrow? And I said, yeah, just let me know. It turns out that they generally carry about four to 500 units of every single product we make, which is like, they carry like 12 to 14 different products that we make. And they sold out of everything within two hours. Oh, wow. I started placing these POs for like thousands of units the next day. And we, um, we did our best. We ran around like crazy trying to fabricate and ship. And we, we pretty much got everything done by Christmas or a few days before Christmas. They were overnight shipping to their customers. Um, yeah, it was nuts. It hadn't been like that in, in years and years and years because generally we do enough advanced planning that we can handle all of our holiday volume. Right, right. So that uh, was not that was a nice little Christmas surprise then last year. It was great. It was fun. It was like uh, a little a, a little stressful for about a week. Um, we ended up getting maybe three to four hundred direct to consumer orders on our Vinylux website, uh, which we never see. I mean, usually right. we get two orders a month. Huh. So um, we pivoted. Our systems are strong. My admin team is amazing. Here's a segue for you. The reason is because we are a promotional product supplier. We're agile. We know how to pivot. We know how to make uh, our product um, well and quickly. Uh, we can drop ship direct to recipients. We have all of our packaging in place. We have all of our labeling in place. We're a full, fully integrated manufacturer, supplier, distributor. So not only do we make our products in-house, we decorate them, we assemble them, we pack them, and we ship them all from my workshop in Philadelphia. Wow. So, you know, I have a team of 12 people, and we were just we were just cranking. Um, I, yeah, I love stories like that. I love when, you know, industry companies um, 
you know, get a little piece of the big time. And I love hearing the, its its effect on the business. So you guys clearly had uh, a good, uh, you know, uh, response to uh, that segment on what was it was World News Tonight, right? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and it kept up for you know a week or two, and then they asked us to do a follow up, which was great. And they, you know, it was everyone they had done this season. So I think it was like fourteen different um, wholesalers, suppliers, whatever you want to call them, people who make stuff. Um, and they just said, shoot us a quick segment, uh, explaining how this affected your business. Huh? So I shot a little video basically telling you what I, telling them what I just told you. Um, and then they ran it in sequence, like me and then all the other people saying we had to hire people, huh. we had to buy more materials. Um, so you did all, you did all this without them coming to you with a production team you did all this on your phone correct yes that's amazing I, I i mean it's it's crazy how far we've come technologically in terms i mean 20 years ago they would have sent out a production team you know uh with a lot of hardware and and done the interviews there but now you're just actually doing it on your phone and sending them the footage absolutely yeah and i think that you know their editing capability digital editing and they're so fast and so so good at it. Um, I was, and the quality of the phone too. I mean, the the videos that come out on phones are 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 really good compared to what they were 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, definitely. Some segments like yours, I'm you know I've shot on a on a desktop computer, and the same thing. It's like, you know, it wouldn't look much better if they came with their professional equipment. Right. Um, and right. this way, they can reach out all over the country for for stories from people. I had uh, almost 20 years ago, I was featured on Reading Rainbow with uh, LeVar Burton. And okay. they were, he was doing a kid's book called Two Old Potatoes and Me. And the idea was that the potatoes started to grow vines and eyes and look all funky. And, you know, the, um, the dad in the family said, hey, we can cut these up and grow new potatoes. And it, they kind of spun it into a recycling uh, okay. story. And so the it was actually the crew from Sesame Street came to my studio to film me in Queens. And it was like 12 people. Wow. Um, I mean, so much equipment. It could barely fit in my little studio. And they were huh. there for like eight hours. Oh, wow. That's 15 minutes of footage that they ended up buttoning it down to. So, yeah, I'm familiar with the with the change. For yeah. Sure. Hence the hence the two day turnaround, you know, from the time that you sent you sent them the video and all of a sudden two days later, you know, they're ready to, to post it, you know, online. So to me, I feel like there's, you know, certainly a lot has changed, but that's awesome. That's a great story. Now I want to talk to you about your use of social media for your business and some of the challenges you face. I checked out your social media. You don't do much. Can you explain why that is? Um, yes, I can explain. So we actually have two Instagrams that we run, one for record remix, two X's on our Instagram. Uh, and the one that we use more is Vinylux, which is our wholesale line. Although we do also um, feature some of our promotional products on our Vinylux Instagram, because it's much, it's uh, has a much bigger following mm -hmm. our promotional products Instagram. One reason is that we are absolutely committed to respecting the relationship that we have built with distributors and the autonomy of our company when it comes to uh, producing product for end clients. We do not generally reveal who we are. 
or mm. where the materials are coming from. Um, so it poses a little bit of a challenge for us to promote our business on social media, because if you don't, um, um, well, for a couple of reasons. One, we have to often sign non-disclosure agreements. I don't believe we did on this, but we did these pieces for the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie that came out a few months. Okay, right. Um, and in some cases, we're just not allowed to show this. Right. We signed a non-disclosure agreement. We've promised that we'll remain anonymous as a supplier. And that eliminates us putting that product on social media. Um, our strategy currently moving forward is to kind of show our process and show non-client specific products. So right, right. we show you, you know, we make a keychain bottle opener. Mm -hmm. We do a custom printed label with your client's logo mm -hmm. on our stainless steel keychain bottle opener. And I just won't show you who the client is. It's, right. a, it's a real estate company and it's a very clever advertising campaign because when they are selling these townhouses and condos and lofts to prospective clients, it comes, you know, they put the key on our American made recycled record keychain bottle opener with the, with the management company's logo on it. Um, so that's one of the challenges is, is just kind of not revealing who we are vis-a-vis -vis who the end client is. Right. And I think that's, that's a common challenge in this industry. And I think you nailed it when you, when you showed uh, the Elvis record, and that's a product that you would love to show off, but you can't simply because you cannot reveal uh, yourself to, you know, relative to, to the final product. Uh, so it, it, it makes social media tough in that, in that way for, for suppliers like yourself. Now also targeting, I, I know that, you know, we talked a little bit offline targeting is challenging as well. Like who are you trying to reach with your social media? Do you find that that's a challenge as well? finding the right audience for your product? Sure. I mean, so again, we, we work really closely in the industry. So with ASI, with PPAI, we're on Sage. We use industry-specific web technologies where we have list pricing facing forward. We have net pricing for distributors who log in with credentials. We're, we're really careful about the structure and the protocols of the promotional products industry. Um, so when we're using social media to target um, outside of the industry, let's say um, our products are frequently used as, as wedding gifts, save the date, um, you know, uh, groomsmen's gifts, bridesmaids gifts. So for instance, we make a little miniature double album cover. Okay, cool. Double album cover. We have these miniature record coasters. Uh, that are custom branded on one or two sides. And so if we're selling these into the wedding industry, we can put the name of the bride and groom, the date of the event. We can fully brand the sleeve as a mailer. We can use this as a save the date. This goes in a little cello pouch with an address label and a stamp and off it goes. And that's a fairly specific channel that we can target using social media, hashtag wedding gifts, right, so right. on and so forth. Within the promotional products industry, it may be that we just haven't been at it long enough. Um, and we have limited marketing and advertising resources. Almost sure. all of our advertising time, effort, and money within the promotional products industry is spent with ASI at their shows, putting product in the pavilion, mm -hmm. putting 
print advertising in the show catalog. Same with PPAI, going to Expo, spending our money, you know, being in Vegas, giving out samples. Um, we do um, uh, in-house trade shows uh, for large distribution companies who invite us. Um, our products are really popular in Nashville. Okay. Uh, I would say like, sense. Yep. like every third or fourth order we get, we're shipping to Nashville. Oh, wow. Okay. Nashville is also obviously Music City, USA. Um, there's Music Row there where songs are written. There's a lot of live performance. There's a history of music and kind of vinyl records are maybe the unofficial theme or mascot down in Nashville. Uh -huh. um, so when we're sending things like this, uh, this might not be an obvious product for a medical conference, um, but we made you know 7,000 recycled vinyl record bottle openers for an RBC healthcare conference because it was taking place at the convention center in Nashville. That's really cool. So we made that. We do um, uh, private label um, merchandise for the Country Music Hall of Fame, also in Nashville. Um, this is a journal, like a moleskin journal with 85 sheets of lined paper and an elastic band closure with a recycled vinyl record on the cover. And then the client brand, whatever they want, uh, rebranded as a record label. Um, so th this is kind of a long way of saying, you know, we, we target within the industry by using the opportunities that are presented to us from the industry. Right. The, right. Shows, the magazines shows like yours um and then it's you know really minute like keyword searches on uh esp sure sure right? and spending all this time kind of making sure that our products are properly tagged and uploading yep. images we spent a tremendous for us a tremendous amount of time effort and money on a promotional products website at recordremix.com every product we make every variant every packaging option is on there, tiered pricing, net pricing for distributors, list pricing so they can send clients there to, to see the, the front-facing costs, virtual tools where you can upload logos and make your own virtuals, download them as blind PDF sales sheets. I mean, right. we're spending so much time and effort making sure that we are servicing this industry we're in, that when it comes to using traditional social media, like Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, we're a little bit out of time and resources. Um, totally. And and that's not uncommon in this industry. And I, I've talked about this with a lot of people who are smaller companies who are spread thin and they don't have the resources to put into social media, at least not consistently. They may update social media here and there. Uh, and it's it's something that you don't really see the the ROI on immediately. Uh, it's something you have to work at. You have to really put an effort into it. You have to have a strategy around it. And it's, it's, it's a struggle, especially when you have an industry where suppliers are targeting uh, distributors, distributors are targeting uh, end clients. And how do you get your social media messages in front of the right people? That is a challenge. I mean, you have to, it's not the consumer per se. It's not the person uh, you know, the end user, uh, you, you have to make sure that you have a social media uh, presence that caters to the right audience. And that, to me, is also a challenge in, in getting the right people to follow your social media. 
And at the end of the day, if you have 50 followers on your Facebook page, what are you putting so much effort into your into your social media? It, again, it's something that is very challenging for this industry. And I've seen it with, especially for the smaller companies like yourself, uh, the mom and pop shops, it's, uh, it, it's a very, very common issue. And I don't blame people who are in your shoes who don't devote a lot of time and effort into their uh, into their social media per se. So, you, you know, you're putting your resources elsewhere. It's paying off for you. Social media, I guess, from from the perspective of yourself, is is gravy. If you have time, if you have uh, you know some resources, some ideas, you put it into uh, into the social media. But again, it's not it's not something that's that's pay, that's paying off for you. It's not um, padding your bottom line. It's, it's just a nice pet to have. Uh, so, well, here's another angle to that too. Yeah. Um, you know, every, every decision you make that has to do with promoting your business has to be supported on the back end of your business. So for instance, if we say, let's do a big social media campaign to promote our products. Okay. So we're going to need more customer service support. When those right. orders start coming in, we're going to need more production support specifically to handle um, one-offs, potentially, those types of orders that come in. And this is one of the uh, elements of social media that we've identified that could be uh, quite a boon for our company would be like, like the orders that we had to handle when we were on the David Muir segment. The reason I pushed uh, our retail uh, focus toward uncommon goods is because they have four national warehouses. They have like a hundred people working in those warehouses. They have a giant customer support staff. They have all the infrastructure in place for direct to consumer sales. We don't in house, mm -hmm. but I haven't figured out how to use social media in a, honestly a better way than direct to consumer sales. Like we don't, have a Vinylot store on Instagram. I think we would do great if we had a Vinylot store on Instagram. I think we would be selling stuff all day long. But I'd have to hire probably one or two or more people to answer phones all day long. I'd have to hire more people in my shipping department because right now we can put 50 bowls in one 14 cube box and send it to Uncommon Goods. We send five boxes, they've got 250 bowls. To send those 250 bowls out direct to consumer, I have to get 250 individual boxes, carefully pack them, put all those packing lists in, the UPS labels. I know that a lot of this is automated, but for a small company that's really focused on wholesale and promotional products distribution, to suddenly have to spend 10 to 15 minutes on the phone with a guy from Iowa telling me, about his first Leonard Skinner concert back in the early 70s, which I love to hear. Right. <laughs> I hear it all the time. I've heard it for 20 years, and we just we don't have the time right. to like spend chit-chatting on the phone with people who are like, but it really has to have uh, Call Me the Breeze on the record because if mm -hmm. it doesn't have that song, it's not that meaningful to me. Right. Right. Um, oh my god, you know, we're gonna go through 10,000 records looking for this one. Right. Like, so it's it's a highly inefficient system for us. Sure. Um, and so then we pull back and we say, well, okay, well, what are we good at? We're good wholesalers. We can put vinyl X on social media and try to target toward uh 
people who own retail businesses. That's cool. We can put our stuff on Etsy because a lot of retailers troll Etsy looking for supply companies like me. Um, we use an online platform similar to ESP and Sage, but for the retail industry, it's called Fair, and they vet us as a as a. Okay. In our cases, we're considered a distributor. It's just there's a lingo uh, crossover, right. but you know, as a wholesaler, and then people who own retail stores go on Fair and they buy our products along with all the other stuff they want to fill their stores with. It's basically a twenty four seven trade show. Um, and so again, like advertising and targeted uh, media within that industry and within those platforms makes it set up for us to sell our product in the way that our business functions. Right, right. So one of the things that we like to hash out at our company is how do we want people to use our business? What makes sense for people? Like when you walk into, um, you know, McDonald's and you're looking for a vegetarian meal for your family, you're not really using McDonald's the way McDonald's has established that mm -hmm. business, right? It's just, there's a misfit. So when we say, how do we want people to use our business? We want you to buy 5,000 of these or a hundred of these. But if you come to me and say, well, we're having a little party and we want, we want two of these and we'd like our names on them, and we'd like it to be made out of this record, and we'd like a custom package because it's really special, and we can spend like $20 a piece on them, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, that's not how our business operates. Right. You right. know, we have a minimum of 50 pieces on these, and if you want custom packaging, that's a minimum of 100 packages. And so we're just not set up to sell direct sure. to the public. Um, so again, until maybe ASI builds an in-house social media platform where we can constantly pepper products and ideas and thoughts right. and industry things to the industry, it's it's uh, it's shouting into the wind a little bit, and we don't know who's hearing. Right. That I mean, that's a good point, uh, and I think that social media having a presence and putting into place. Uh, the right people is important because with social media comes uh, a responsibility uh, for customer service and logistics. So th there's a lot to be thought through when you're creating social media for your business. And a lot of people don't do that. They don't think about the implications of having uh, the conversations online through, through uh, these tools, these social media apps. Uh, and you need to have people in place if you're going to be marketing your business in the ways that you should be uh, with social media. So l let me ask you, do you have any success with any social media platforms or like which platform are, do you have the most success with? Honestly, recently I've been getting a lot of attention through LinkedIn just okay. personally because people saw me on the news. They met me at trade shows. Um, for a long time, I was it in terms of the face of my company. Mm -hmm. It's not true anymore by any means. I have a national sales manager and she has a team of assistants and we all do the trade shows together. Sure. But um, you know, if you were to Google Vinylux or Record Remix, generally I'm the guy whose name comes up. So people find me on LinkedIn and they're like, oh you went to RISD, that's really interesting. You know, I was at Brown in the early two thousands, maybe we crossed paths. Huh. And so the the you know the personal part of it 
which has always been kind of my favorite part of it, why I still like to do trade shows and talk to people face-to-face, even if it's over Zoom, um, is that what I've gleaned in working in this industry for almost 10 years now is that the relationships are everything. Um, So when it comes to social media, I'm not building relationships. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Right. So what what I really love, actually, with regard to social media, any distributors listening, this is where we found success. Distributors should use their social media to promote our products mm. and say, look at all this great stuff. We have this amazing supplier. They're a U.S.-based company. They're using recycled materials. Their stuff is super cool. It's made from old records. There's a vintage, retro, nostalgia, funky feel. You can brand it anywhere from the 50s all the way up to the 2000s. The stuff is great at parties and weddings. Put that on your social media and reach the general public. Right. And and, and we're actually finding that um, we're getting emails on a regular basis from distributors who say, hey, we shot some video in Vegas of your booth. We put it on our social media. And we had this great big advertising company come back to us and say that they loved everything you do and they want to redo um, their executive headquarters using your products. And, you know, so that would be, that's almost my pitch is like, yeah, you put our products on your sites because you're the ones who are reaching out directly to the end client. Right. Frankly, you do it so much better than we do. I don't want to spend my time reaching out to end clients. Right. I don't have right. the resources for it. Personally, I don't have the patience for it. My sales team does. But right. what my sales and admin team is amazing at is um, selling our products to promotional products distributors. Right. And right. coaching promotional products distributors on the ins and outs of our products, what our lead times are, what our capacities are, what our printing capabilities are. We have all those resources, templates, and all the things you need, blind catalogs, everything is ready to go, set up to support distributors. And then you guys are the amazing salespeople, and you have the relationships, the long-term, you know, you go out and have dinner with people when you're at trade shows, you've been selling to Bob at such and such a company for 20 years. You're the only company he uses. I don't want to go meet Bob. (laughs) You already know Bob. So you should buy the stuff on Bob's behalf from us. And that's, you know. And and Jeff, I think that as the industry gets younger and we talked about this offline again, uh, and we have more distributors who are younger and millennials, Gen Z, they're going to, to do more of that. I know people do that in this industry now where the distributors are showing off supplier client uh, products to their to their clients. Uh, it happens a lot at our ASI shows. I see it all the time. I see people doing, finding products, the distributors finding products on the floor, uh, shooting video, uh, you know, away from uh, the supplier booth, so, you know, talking to almost concierge service, like talking to a specific client saying, hey, I found this great product. This is how I think you should be using it. I think there's going to be more of that uh, going forward, uh, especially, as I mentioned, as the industry gets younger, more people embrace social media, more people understand its utility and its importance. So I think it's going to it's going to happen. And it, it may be taking more of the pressure off the supplier themselves when you have the distributor who is almost working on their behalf uh, for social media. So I, that's a great point, uh, you know, especially for 
like I said, I keep mentioning it, smaller mom and pop shop suppliers like yourself, small businesses don't have huge staff, don't have the time to do that. Eventually the distributor, you know, potentially will take that, you know, under their sort of, under the things that they do and use social media to promote your products. So Jeff, any, uh, I have a few more questions for you, but I want to ask you, do you have any final advice for anybody who might be struggling in the same way that you're, that you're struggling with, with social media? Um, well, advice for social media users. Um, I, I think the most successful social media campaigns that I've seen from suppliers, um, and this is like I mentioned, we're going to do more of is kind of laying out what our capacities and capabilities are. Okay. So rather than trying to target end clients or even trying to target distributors through social media, I think just it's 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 almost like a, a de facto thing that people do now is they'll go check out your Instagram or your Facebook. And I guess if a distributor has bothered to find us and then wants to go see our Instagram, rather than just showing uh, like a, a, a catalog full of products, I kind of, at least our business anyway, what we're most proud of is the way we work with clients. And from the, from the initial conversation all the way through the delivery of product, that's what we want to demonstrate. Like we're going to work uh, through ideas and concepts with you. We're going to help you lay out graphics and artwork and create virtuals and mock-ups for you. We can create spec samples that then go to your customer before they purchase the full rack of product. Um, and then all the way up to the way that we, um, pack and drop ship if necessary and then our follow-ups and you know we 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 work so hard to make sure that our uh every step of the process is is buttoned up and and really tight um but that's the thing that i i think can be promoted if you're a supplier right you're treating your supply company as a retailer um that's a different story and we've just decided to to back off of that like we're okay not our our own products so that people can you know buy one or two of them for their dad's birthday right um, right it's it's one offs yeah. or two offs like it, it just doesn't work i i i totally get it that's that's interesting approach uh from a supplier perspective on social media i'm not sure that i've seen much of that on social media uh mo a lot of suppliers you know they almost use their their um the, the big ones the ones that have the resources seem to do more of um behind the scenes showing off their employees and staff and how mm -hmm. they create the products mm -hmm. uh if they're actually manufacturing them or if, you know they're importing them like the the processes behind the scenes and i think that that is a big element of what social media is today there's a there's a aspect of showing the behind the scenes mm -hmm. the nitty-gritty the 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 dirty especially on on from a uh, su supplier perspective how products are made uh what goes into you know creating uh products it, it to me i think that's more of a fascinating stance than just showing off the the final product and i think there's a there's a lot of interest in that yeah so and it's, it's it's who we are and what we do right I mean, my, my company is almost entirely staffed by trained artists even if they're on the phone with you as a customer service person almost every single person has a degree in printmaking painting you know some creative um aspect and uh that's my background i went to art school twice 
all I've ever done my whole life is make stuff. It's all I ever want to do. Um, and I have this kind of notion that I should make some money doing the thing that I love. And that's why I started a company um, to sell the products that I make. Um, but I think using social media to say, hey, look, we're not buying containers full of product from China and then quickly digitally printing it. Like we are, we are crafting this stuff with our hands in Philadelphia, where we have relationships with all these um, people who sell used vinyl and we buy the records from them. They come to our shop, we sort them out. You know, we're, we're like taking raw material. We consider records to be raw material sure. and then turning it into finished product. Like, like I wouldn't say like old world craftsmen, but with a handmade ethos and with a craftsman sensibility to everything we do. And, and that's, I, that's what I, I want people to know about us. And I think that is, that is a perfect example of what I think suppliers like yourself should be showcasing on their social media show that process of you know getting these records and making the products out of the records i think that that is a winning formula for for anybody in this industry uh you know and and that's that's what people want to see people want to see how things are made you want to see the people behind the scenes uh so yes that's great advice jeff Thank you today for your for your time. I have a few more questions. These are sort of you don't know you have no pre knowledge of these questions. I just want to throw these out there, uh, see, see how you think on your feet. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Mm, um, New Orleans is top of the list. Okay, why? Um, I have rarely been to a city with so much soul and so much vibrant culture to offer everywhere you turn from the architecture obviously the music um the food uh the history i know you know new orleans like a lot of places has kind of a troubled past but it's it's pushed through it's so vibrant post katrina new orleans to me is just this like amazing uh amazing place and and you know i I have relatives who have lived there for a long time, and um, it is uh, a place I try to get back to. Uh, I don't know if I could deal with the heat and the humidity full time, but yeah, uh, I, I was there once. This was pre-Katrina. Uh, my wife and I loved it. it. The food was out of this world. The vibe, just walking uh, around the French Quarter and just hearing the music just on every street. You had people busking on the corners. I mean, it's just amazing. an amazing place. Uh, we have, we haven't gotten back to it yet, but it's certainly on our list, but that's a great answer. Um, and my final question for you, uh, what song artist or album gets you motivated for work? I have to ask you that question since you deal with final records. Wow. Okay. So music is, uh, I mean, dictates my mood and my, and my, you know, it's, it's in me. It's, it's, I'm a musician and, um, so motivated for work these days is uh, is David Byrne, 100%. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was just listening to Talking Heads on the way to work today. So there you go. Motivating yourself with David Byrne. Yeah. Um, um, and so, what about if you had to just pick one, if you were on a desert island, which this is what you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life? Record? Yeah. yeah. I've been asked this question before, and the one that always comes right up to the top is uh, Astral Weeks. 
Okay, yeah, I'm a big Van Morrison fan as well. Um, I can't live without that record. At, at, you know, yeah. There's there's a lot of um, records that I have been deeply devoted to over the course of my life, um, and like just last week or two weeks ago, Dark Side of the Moon had its fiftieth. Yeah, fiftieth. Yeah. And a friend of mine was like, "Hey, did you listen to Dark Side of the Moon?" And I was like, "I don't have to ever listen to Dark Side of the Moon probably ever again." It's in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, I agree. It's like when I listen to Astral Weeks, it's fresh and and sort of surprising every single time I hear it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that one has really stuck with me. I, I agree. I, I I consider it a top ten album of all time. Me personally, it seems like we you and I have uh, similar tastes in music, which is good. Um, but Jeff, thank you for your time today. If anybody wants to reach you, how can they do so? You can go to our website at www.recordremix.com. Um, you can find us on social media at Record Remix on Instagram or at Vinylux on Instagram. Um, you can send us an email at info at recordremix.com. We're on ESP. We're on Sage. Um, we are on, uh, we're not on Distributor Central yet, but that's coming. Um, we're at a lot of the big trade shows. So, you know, reach out. We are a hardworking little engine that could, and people love our products. So, Thank you so much, Vinny. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you for your time today. It was great getting to know you. Maybe uh, I'll meet you in person someday. You're not too far from me. You're right down the street in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, it? Yeah, but Jeff, great talking to you today. All right, man. You too. For Jeff, I'm Vinny. We'll see you next time on The Social Angle.